0: Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. I have the privilege of introducing a conversation where I was able to sit down with not only a colleague, but someone who has, is more like a sister. We have been childhood friends for over mm, 40 years. (laughs) And our lives have paralleled each other on so many different levels, even down to the choice of medicine that we decided to pursue. And so I'm able to sit down with Dr. Gina S. Wilson, also known as Dr. Gina Simone. She's a solo practitioner and board certified physician. After earning her degree, she pursued her interest in women's health. After she completed her residency in obstetrics and gynecology, she returned to the South and relocated to Memphis, where she established a private practice, where she gave both low- and high-risk obstetrical care. She's also given gynecological care, surgical treatment for patients in the Mid-South area for almost 10 years Currently, she provides both obstetrical and gynecological care at rural medical facilities in the Pacific Northwest region. Along with her clinical practice, I tease her all the time. I said, I'm the one with Jamaican background. How do you have more jobs than me? (laughs) Dr. Wilson serves as a lecturer for local residency programs. She's a physician expert for a pharmaceutical company She has practiced, she has participated as a speaker for health educational programs and conferences throughout the country. In addition, she serves as a medical director and physician advisor. When she's not at work (laughs) in her spare time, yeah, right. (laughs) She and her husband enjoy traveling and spending time with their family and friends, along with cheering for her favorite NFL team, the Titans. (laughs) So take your pens and paper. We're going to tackle the subject of uterine fibroids today. What are they? Where do they come from? Who gets them? Why do they create such an emotional conversation for some people? We tackled all that. I had a great time. So, let's sit down. Let's have this conversation. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. We're in the community today with one of my childhood friends. She's, you know, almost like a mentor to me. I'm really a little nervous to talk to her. (laughs) But we're here in the community with Dr. Gina Simone, and she is a fellow OBGYN, and we're going to sit down and talk about a subject that I'm hearing a lot about and a lot of questions about fibroids. So we're going to sit down and have this conversation and start connecting these dots. Welcome to the community, Dr. Gina Simone. Thank you. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Um, which coast are you on today? You're funny. I'm on the East Coast today. <laughs> okay. I tell you. you I'm here. Okay, because... I mean, you know, I'm the one with Jamaican roots, but I feel that you totally outdo me with how many jobs you have. Yeah, I'm just trying to take advantage of as many opportunities as I can until I get tired of working, but no, I'm on the East Coast now. Okay, cool, cool. So I asked you to come and sit down in the community with us today to discuss a topic that I actually personally have a vested interest in, and we'll get into that, but I keep hearing a theme come through with conversations and women and it's talking about fibroids and I wanted us to kind of sit down and meander through a couple of areas that we could touch on together and just get your your input your expertise on this on this subject and and let's have a conversation so I'm um, you know I think we should start out with actually talking about what are fibroids. Can you give us a, a good overview of what are fibroids? Sure. And usually
1: when patients come into the office, that's usually the first thing they ask. They're just like, what are these things? But mm-hmm. um, they are fibrous tumors or muscular tumors that grow within the uterus. If we're specifically talking about uterine fibroids. Yes, and they can just grow within the different layers um, of the uterus. The uterus is basically broken into three different layers. Okay, and you can find them within any of them growing. They are can range from the size of maybe a pea, um, (coughs) all the size of a grapefruit or a watermelon. Um, The size varies from person to person, Mm -hmm. and um, they're. Tumors, people kind of freak out because they hear the word tumor. Right, right. But for the most part, urine fibroids are benign, or I should say non
0: cancerous Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you talked about fibroids can be found in the various layers of the uterus. So how many layers of the uterus are there? Sure. The three layers of
1: the uterus, there's, of course, the outside of the uterus, the, the middle of the uterus, which is the muscular layer, mm-hmm. and then there's the inside of the uterus, which is the cavity. Okay. So when the fibroids grow, they can grow on any of those three layers. Um, the layer on the outside is called subserosal. hmm fibroids um usually if people are actually able to feel their fibroids it's usually because they're on the outside
0: cavity of their subcerosal fibroids okay can i ask a question so when you say on the outside are you saying outside of the uterus but still inside the abdominal cavity
1: right they're still attached to the uterus okay okay it's just attached to the top layer of the outside of the uterus okay great within the uh within the belly Mm -hmm. and then the um middle part of the muscular layer, Mm -hmm. um, it's called uh, intramural fibroids. Um, They're within the wall or the muscle layer. And usually that's when people don't necessarily feel a definitive mass Mm -hmm. or definitive shape of their fibroids. They just feel pregnant Mm -hmm. or they just feel like their uterus is bigger and they don't know why. Um, And then, of course, there's the sub... um, the semi fibroids that actually grow within the uterine cavity. Okay. Um, some of those actually can dislodge and come out Oh, through the vagina.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. So we'll, we'll come back to that. That's, I'm sure people are going to say, that's very interesting. But <clears throat> let's talk about who actually gets fibroids. Is there a particular population that are more susceptible to experiencing fibroids in their lifetime?
1: Um, there are so I guess first let's talk about in general um, you know they say about 20 to 25 percent of general population can get fibroids. I've seen even the percentage range from 20 to 80 mm-hmm. percent um, will develop fibroids by the time they're in their 50s. Most of the time you see fibroids in patients um, between the ages of 30s and 40s okay um, so you'll will see, that age group population. Um, Another population you can see is if it runs in the family, Mm -hmm. um, family history, um, there is an ethnic origin. You see a lot of um, African-American patients. Actually, we said patients with pigmentation or melanocytes. or um, (laughs) Patients in the minority community tend to have uh, more fibroids. Um, There is also a link or has been a link to... um, patients that are more obese see hmm. more in that population and um, people who have um, eating habits of red meat you see that also in the population Wow, um, uh, you can see that kind of broad all over I know a lot of different types of women in different populations can experience it. it's
0: almost like none of us are immune to getting them okay okay now <clears throat> I want to I want us to transition into an area that will probably take up a good point of our conversation because this is where I think we start getting a lot of conversations in our office. Why do you think there's such an emotional attachment when we start talking about fibroids in our patient population? Well, you
1: know, the emotional attachment to fibroids, I think... There's different reasons. Number one is how it's presented to the patient.
0: Mm, That's a good point.
1: Um, Let's say if they go to have just some imaging done of something that's unrelated to their reproductive system, and a radiologist or their family practitioner or a non-OBGYN tells them, oh, you have fibroids, it's a tumor. Um, The Mm -hmm. first thing is, people hear the word tumor, they hear growth, they Mm -hmm. hear something that they understand it's not supposed to be inside of them and immediately it's an urgent issue for them yes yes it needs to go like what's going on there's anxiety that builds up around it and a lot of times that's how it presents especially for patients without symptoms Mm -hmm. um so you have to kind of wait till you get to your obgyn and all that time you just build up all this anxiety and emotion of what's going on So the second point I've noticed is when people believe that their fibroids are affecting their fertility. Mm So there are some patients that find out that they have fibroids when they go through a fertility workup. If they've had multiple miscarriages, if they've had any pregnancy loss, um, if they've had preterm labor that have resulted in very, very um, young neonates. And um, they find out that the fibroids are within the cavity and it's affecting their fertility. And, of course, that's an emotional process for most women. Uh, A lot of women kind of weigh their importance to, you know, how well they're able to have children If they're able to have children. And that can be devastating to a woman who really, really desires to be pregnant. And she's finding out that these fibroids are in the way. Yeah. And the third type or reason why I think it's such an emotional attachment is how the treatment options are um, given to the patient. Um, There are quite a few patients that hear that they have fibroids and you have to have a hysterectomy.
0: Right, right.
1: And that's an issue. Most women are just like, wait, why are you taking my organs out because Mm -hmm. of these things? And it's, it's... I see more of an attachment in in that type of situation. I see more of an attachment to the uterus, the womb. They want the womb and the uterus to be fine. Most people want the fibroids just to go. Uh Um, Just overall, though, the fibroids can bring a little bit of anxiety just because of those
0: three different areas. I I, I see in general. Wow, you touched on some great points. And... They're exactly what I feel that we deal with. One, um, most of the time, women are told about their fibroids in a totally unrelated situation. I'll give you my own personal example. I knew I had fibroids in my family. My grandmother had them. My mother had them. But it wasn't until four months after I got married, had been in my first year of residency, actually internship year, and had... A really bad pain in my lower right quadrant on my abdomen and had nausea. So of course, you know, I self-diagnosed myself as having appendicitis. So we go you know we go in and have an ultrasound. I actually called I actually called up to labor and delivery to see who was on call for the weekend and come to find out, of course it was the male chief and a male attending. And I'm like, great. Oh my goodness. So I talked to the second year and she knew the stenographer on. So she said, just come in and go down and I'll let him do a sonogram on you. And if anything is bad, then I'll tell Dr. Reese. I said, okay, great. So I get there. And at first they thought that I had an ovarian cyst. Um, but what happened is eventually the next day, my attending that was on that night because he was male, he said, you're comfortable. I'm going to keep you overnight. Dr. Warner, who's a female is coming in the next day. I'll let her do your exam and you all decide your course. No problem. She comes in the next day and she's like, okay, so I have the OR booked for 12 o'clock. I was like, excuse me, what? (laughs) she's like oh we're just gonna take a peep in with the camera and look around and if that's an ovarian cyst we'll take out the cyst if we can't we'll just take out that one side the ovary and I'm like wait what huh well you know they go in they look around and there's a big subserosal actually it was pedunculated fibroid on the fundus of my uterus that was torsing and had lost its blood supply and that's what was causing me pain so they were able to just slice that off the top, really, and take it out. And that was the first time I knew I had fibroids. And so, you know, of course, going forward and having children, it's like, okay, well, do I have more? Are they going to grow? And, of course, during my subsequent pregnancies, I actually, they grew because of the surge of estrogen. And I did have some types of preterm labor, preterm um, birth, actually, with our first, our first. And it can be a little unnerving. And now you go into the, the topic of what are your options that are presented to you. And so let, let's talk about some of the options other than just a hysterectomy. What are options that you give your patients? And if you can think of any um, cases that come to your mind, you know, let, please share.
1: Yeah, well, first let me piggyback on your story. I, I appreciate you telling your story because... That's just another example of how many different ways fibroids can present um, yeah. different symptoms that people can have. And that's germane to the type of treatment that you need to, to receive. But mm-hmm. one of the first things I do is when a person comes in and they say, oh, I have fibroids, or we just did an ultrasound and I'm giving them the information about their diagnosis for fibroids, the first thing I ask them is, what symptoms do you have? Yes. And... So there's a multitude of symptoms, but I usually break them down into just three categories. One, you have bleeding issues. Mm. Two, you have pain issues, or three, you have no issues. Okay. So let's start with the no issues. Uh huh. A lot of people find um, that they have fibroids. It's an incidental finding on imaging. Meaning mm-hmm. They want to have. Some sort of x-ray or MRI or CT of something completely unrelated and a radiologist or whomever says, oh, by the way, you have fibroids. Mm -hmm. But they have no symptoms at all. Because they're benign um, and because, you know, they vary in size, if you don't have any symptoms, they really aren't bothering you. One of the options is watchful waiting. You know, I like just that. Just because they're there doesn't necessarily mean you have to do something to
0: them. Right.
1: So, and it's so funny because when people are getting um, options about treatment, sometimes the watchful waiting is generally left out. We mm. to, you know, yeah. Want to treat everything. Right. But if you don't have <laughs> symptoms, and, you know, like I said, the likelihood that it's cancerous is low, and that, of course, is after your doctor has talked to you and reviewed your medical history and reviewed. Um, the interval of growth of the fibroid, mm-hmm. um, your family history of cancer. And after all of that review, you know, you can definitely just, just watch. Uh, some of the other ones uh, will be related to, let's start with the bleeding. Okay. So with bleeding, um, there's always a the medical options, and that could include uh, some hormonal and non-hormonal medical options mm-hmm. to stop the bleeding. Uh, I've had a lot of patients come in and say, Oh, just get rid of the fibroids. I don't want the fibroids. And, and I look at them and I say, Do you not want the fibroids or do you just want the bleeding to stop? Right. <laughs> so if I say, If you just want the bleeding to stop, I can get
0: the bleeding to stop and you don't have to take six weeks off of work. There you How go. About that? So, yeah, there are medical and non medical treatments. For
1: yes. That. Pills, mm-hmm. um, some of the intrauterine devices mm-hmm. that um, have progesterone um, that can control your bleeding. Um, there, you know, believe it or not, instead of help, and it's not hormonal. Right, it's just a laundry list of medical options. Yes. Then there's minimally invasive options. Okay. Um, that are available uh, for people that're bleeding. They can. You know, the ablation is available where they can burn the lining of the uterus. Mm -hmm. Um, They can cut off the blood supply to the fibroids so they can start shrinking and theoretically cause less bleeding. Um, There's also radiofrequency therapy. There's myolysis. There's also some minimally invasive surgeries where they can just go in with the camera either into your belly or through your cervix. And, of course, that depends where the fibroids are, just to remove the fibroids themselves. Mm -hmm. And, of course, if you want definitive therapy, you definitely don't want to bleed ever again, and a hysterectomy is always an option. Wow. Now, the pain one, when people come in with pain, that actually makes it a little bit more complicated. Yes. When a person has fibroids and they have pain. Okay. Um, Because one of the first things that you have to to isolate is, all right, is your pain? By your fibroids, or your pain being caused—is your pain being caused by something else? Mm -hmm. I've had um, patients um, and even some friends who, in the past, have received hysterectomies from other providers or surgery for fibroids, yet their pain didn't go away. Yes. So the first thing to do is to make sure that um, the patients talk to their doctor about, you know, what type of pain they are, is it pain during intercourse, is it pain um, when they move around, are they having changes in their urine frequency or bowel Mm -hmm. frequency? That one is a little bit more complicated to diagnose, but once it's diagnosed that the pain is being caused by the fibroids, then you can start off with some of the medical options um, of hormonal therapy and non-hormonal therapy, of course, pain
0: management, and of course, some of the surgical options as well. So just to reiterate, you said, if there is a pain component, then you really need to go through more of a history and tease out when the pain is occurring, what makes the pain worse, what makes it better, um, and if there are other circumstances that make the pain um, make the pain more noticeable to you, if that's what I'm hearing. <clears throat> Absolutely. And in addition
1: to that, there may be more diagnostic testing that has to be done just to confirm that the fibroids are the cause of the pain pain, before you go in and start treating the fibroids. That's
0: right. That's right. Wow. This is some good stuff. I really am enjoying this conversation. Um, Have you seen in your practice where fibroids have actually um, been a precursor to cancer at all? You know, that's an interesting,
1: that's a question that actually a lot of patients ask. And so, in general, fibroids, um, like I said earlier, are usually benign, Mm -hmm. Um, rarely um, will you find a cancerous fibroid. The terminology that we use for fibroids in the medical community is called um, lyomyoma. Mm-hmm. But... There is a cancerous fibroid um, that can be found, as a myosarcoma,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that can be found in patients. Usually, it, it presents differently. Okay. Most of the time, in general, fibroids are a slower growing tumor. Right. Um, one of the things that you see in a leiomyosarcoma is they grow a little faster. Okay. Um, they sometimes can even have a different presentation on imaging. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's Pretty rare, I think. Um, I read, uh, and usually I uh, discuss with the patient. It's, it's very rare. Like one in for every one thousand women, mm-hmm. you might see it in one. Right, right. Um, so that you know, in general, it's 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 pretty rare. I I would not say though that a fibroid is a precursor per se, because like I said, usually does not turn into cancer. Like I said, leiomyosarcomas tend to be something. Completely different, and it's and it's just a rare. The the pathophysiology, I guess, is just completely different. But I think that's one of the importance when we talk about a person who has an incidental fibroid um, on imaging. And you know, some people will say do nothing, and that's why I say watchful waiting. Mm -hmm. So continuing to watch the interval, the growth. If you see that it's rapidly growing, that's when you would be more concerned, or the patient. Um, and the physician should be more concerned about whether it's a cancerous
0: process or not. Okay. Have you ever been asked if there are any type of dietary, um, any type of dietary links that may cause people to have fibroids or or have them to shrink per se? Um, have you been asked that question, and what what have you found? Interestingly enough, I have not been asked that question. Okay. <laughs> I usually will
1: voluntarily give that information to patients. Um, okay. You know, I've had the joy and the pleasure of practicing medicine um, for the
0: majority of my career in the South. All I'm right. From the South. <laughs> <laughs> so, and as Southerners, we
1: tend to have a special feel good you know, comfort food diet. Yes. Uh, Unfortunately, with that diet, um, there tends to be more meat. There Mm -hmm. tends to be more fatty products. There tends to be less
0: leafy green vegetables Mm -hmm.
1: and options. And there tends to be more associated obesity and overweight, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people Mm -hmm. from the Southern Diet. You know, hey, I'm from the South, so I, you know, It is what it is. Right. And uh, so I do tell them that there has been an association with a poor diet, or when I say poor diet, a diet that is lacking in vegetables um, and fruits and vegetables. Um, There tends to be more of a relationship with patients who have a very high fatty diet and Mm -hmm. specifically a very high uh, meat diet. Red meat, uh, pork, ham, mm-hmm. um, you tend to see that. there is a, There has been a link and a protective factor seen with people who have, um, you know, that eat plenty of green vegetables. Yes. And to be a protection with, with the fibroids. You know, it's so interesting because like, there there really is not a true understanding of why what causes the fibroids. Right. So you know, there's still research out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Most of the time when they say that there's association in fibroids, quite frankly, it's been linked to so many diseases.
0: Yes. So, you know. Yes. Oh, wow. This has been a wonderful conversation. I'm looking at our time, and it is just slipping away from us, literally slipping away from us. It is. I know. So I want to ask one last thing. We usually give a tip of the day here in the community. Can you think of a tip of the day that you've even given your patients or that you can think of right now since we're having this conversation that you would give to our community? Um, with relation to fibroids? R- with relation to fibroids or just in general health-wise. It's up to you. I'll leave it up to you.
1: Yeah, you know, I would think tip of the day would be could be related to the fibroids or anything um, know your options mm-hmm. uh, with women who have fibroids one of the biggest issues is all of the options are not presented um, yeah. a lot of times not all of the time, but a lot of times more definitive therapy like a hysterectomy is presented and just remember that when you have your surgery when you have your treatment or whatever you're the one that has to live with it your doctor does not Mm -hmm. Um, so just make sure that you're knowledgeable about all of your options you know the pros, you know the cons of everything, you understand if you don't do anything what can happen, if you do do a procedure, what can happen, what are the possible complications, how long you'll be out of work, just completely know all of your options and how it's going to affect your life and your household and honestly I would say that for any medical process, if you're diagnosed with something just know what your options
0: are for your treatment and how it works best for you thank you so much dr gina simone i have really enjoyed our conversation today and i, I too. thank <laughs> you so much for having me god and i want you to come back to the community and let's have another conversation real soon absolutely you just let me know when okay all right guys So remember to take care of yourselves, listen to what Dr. Gina Simone said, know all of your options, and we'll see you guys back here in the community. Bye.